Welcome to Bum Puzzle. My name is BRC Yeah. And with me is nobody. Uh because yeah, it's just me. Um I want to give you guys something because I was in San Francisco this week and I felt bad about it because I, you know, I like to give you guys stuff and I like to keep the inertia going on a podcast. You know, the main thing that kills a podcast is complacency and I like recording it and I like to get your guys' feedback. Um, And this isn't going to be like anything crazy. If anything, it'll be like 15 or 20 minutes, but at least it'll be, it'll be something. Um, So yeah. So, you know, I I am just completely spitballing here, but I can do some segments myself. You know, I can do the what are you doing, uh, and I can talk about a book I just finished for those that have done, like, master's courses or MBA courses. You're probably, especially in business, uh, you're probably well-versed in Simon Sinek. Uh, He's a... He's a, he writes a lot of books about leadership, and I had one that was recommended to me, and then I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, and Martellus Bennett referenced it as well, and it's called Leaders Eat Last. Very consumable read, uh, and it just talks about leadership and, and what's important to being a leader, and I'm not going to bore you with all that, but they did have a chapter that I found to be very compelling. And what it does essentially is it, is it breaks down the four components of happiness. And it's not like family, love, like it's actual chemicals that are distributed in the brain and how to trigger those chemicals. And it's endorphins, dopamine, which we all know, serotonin, and oxytocin. And this is going to be like the poor man's version of it, but I think it is interesting information to have. Uh, But the the two first ones I listed, which is endorphins and dopamine, right? Essentially why these chemicals were made initially is, you know, through evolution, there had to be something inside of humans' brains to keep them motivated, moving to acquire food, right? It just to keep them hunting, keep them going so that they would survive. And these are the chemicals in the brain that essentially they were chasing after. Because like we eat because it feels good, right? And that's what dopamine gets into is like we're, we're doing that for that actually, which is a really interesting way to think about it. And it's just that's the trigger in our brain that's keeping us alive. Endorphins, you know, that's essentially like a runner's high, right? If you, if you physically exert yourself, 
It's a chemical that is released from your brain to keep you feeling good, right? Like if you've ever worked out super hard and you feel amazing afterwards, that's endorphins being released in your body. Um, a, gr a great example of that is like when laughing starts to hurt, right? You actually hurt, your body was physically hurting before you felt it, it was just being masked by your endorphins, right? So it's like when you were out as a caveman or whatever, and you were chasing after your food, that was the endorphins that were keeping you going. And then dopamine, I think we all kind of have a understanding of what do dopamine is. But with dopamine, you know, that's just, that's just feeling compulsion. That's food, right? That's what it is original intent for. But the interesting thing about dopamine is that we have grocery stores and cars now. So it's though we have this dopamine, it's kind of useless in a way, right? Of course, we still need to eat and we know that. But this has gotten a lot easier. Whereas when we were chasing after dopamine, when we were cavemen, you know, I can just go to Safeway and get a General So's chicken bowl. And that takes me all of 10 minutes. Whereas back in the day, it was literally like chasing a high. And obviously that's where we get into with the dopamine is the overconsumption. We get into drug addiction. We get into gambling. We get into those areas where it starts to feel good doing things in excess, which we shouldn't be doing, which is essentially chasing a high, right? Um, and then the other two that I listed are serotonin and oxytocin. And these get into like the areas that the book was really focusing on. Serotonin is released in your brain when you get recognition, essentially. That's a very basic way to put it. Uh, you know, you get acknowledgement for a job well done. And it's pretty interesting because, you know, typically where you get this was like school growing up, especially if you're my age and I'm in my 30s. Like school was a great place to get this. You know, jo jobs, you know, when your boss would write an email about you kicking butt. Uh, that was another common place that you'd get this. But now we have social media, right? Recognition is no longer at a premium. So we can chase that and get that acknowledgement. And it's very interesting learning about this, especially since um, I am in quote unquote recovery. I shouldn't say quote unquote because I definitely haven't on in June 1st, I will not have drinking alcohol or done any type of like mind altering substance in nine years, not even painkillers that I've gotten lucky because I haven't experienced an injury, but nonetheless. So in the, in the, the conversation of dopamine versus serotonin, it gets, it gets compelling there for me because you know, when someone's new to recovery, and I, and I want to stress that I was guilty of this too, is that, you know, you break it down to the science. You see people that would replace these compulsions. You know, they would eat like candy and they would, uh, 
A lot of people gamble. Tons of people smoke cigarettes and they drink caffeine. You know, those, those are dopamine, right? Trying to get that, those feel goods. But the serotonin aspect with social media is just so incredibly interesting because I would remember, you know, people would just actively post about I'm feeling good today, life's better in recovery, and just get that acknowledgement. And like, you know, I can only speak for myself, but I can't imagine I'm alone with this where I would remember being in early recovery and post something like that, like on a Facebook update, and just itch until I saw that people were like acknowledging it, like you're killing it, keeping up, you know? And I feel that people do that as well as with like, pieces of their life whereas like people are excited to put in there when they're getting married uh, when they're having a baby and I think that there is a healthy piece to that where you know you want to share your life that's the purpose but you get into that chase of the serotonin right where maybe Maybe you limit it to those true life events because I, I, I can just say just from how I viewed it in my perspective when it came to serotonin is that people, I would see people get a lot of feedback on their like updates, right? In, in recovery. And then that would fizzle because it's, you know, I don't want to put it this way, but if you're doing what you're supposed to do, your life gets pretty boring, and it should. <laughs> like, you want, your, you want your life to be calm, right? But you just get so used to that attention, whereas I see people, you know, the recognition that they get on, on the updates that they would do, it would go away, and then they would go back out. They would get that attention in a negative way right? Because they weren't getting that high anymore through the serotonin so that they were trying to go get the dopamine. And then they would even use it as a vehicle to re-up their serotonin and get the, the recognition. So it's very similar to me, how I interpret that. Whereas how dopamine is, makes life difficult because not dopamine, especially, but just like grocery stores and cars, you know, that makes dope, dopamine dangerous. Same thing goes with social media. And this is by no means what I wanted to make this about, but you know, it's just a part of the conversation. Going into oxytocin. So oxytocin, you know, that's a, that's a chemical release in your brain where typically what's going to trigger it, and of course I'm, I'm approaching a lot of this in layman's terms, is when you have deep trust for somebody. Like if there's a deep love and a deep connection, right? Um, that's, that's what oxytocin is. And it's really interesting to learn that because there's so many conversations to have around it. You know, I, they, they, they say this quote and I'm not doing it justice because I don't remember who said it. They say, they define love as when someone can destroy you and they choose not to. How dark is that? That's so crazy to me to think of it in that perspective. 
But it's true. It's very true is that that ability to just put yourself out there because, you know, there's no better feeling when you're completely yourself and you're accepted, right? And just garnering that trust, you know, they, uh, they talk about this, this, this Aesop's fable where there's a circle of trust, right? And it's gazelles and wherever, whenever a lion's nearby, they put their butts together. They all touch butts so that they form a circle so that everyone's, everyone's attentive to what's a, what their surroundings are. And that's that kind of a visual around that circle of trust, right? Whereas if people scatter and maybe they, they bicker, you know, and they're singled out, that's when the lions can attack and kill. Um, but with oxytocin, you know, it's, again, like, maybe it's, maybe it's the sadist in me, the guy in recovery, but, you know, that to me just speaks so much to relationships and how they can get toxic and be abusive. Because again, we're just going back to the luxury of what we have that we can really make our concerns pretty pretty light. If you look at it from like an altruistic sense where it's like com- comparative to you know, different periods in history and other countries. It's just, again, like, we're chasing that high. We're chasing that good feeling. And we know, like, I know in the past I was, I was married before my wife. And, you know, the reason I was there is because I got that high at one point. And to me, that was the shortest path. So even though things got shitty... I kept, I kept practicing insanity and going back to her, uh, even after like huge fights, because that, that to me was the shortest path to get to that feeling. And, you know, that just spoke, spoke to so many levels for me, you know, and then they get into cortisol, which, uh, if you guys don't know what that is, again, like using the the animal analogy, even the comic book analogy, it's kind of like your spidey senses. So it's like everyone's watched Planet Earth, right? And, you know, we'll just use the gazelle example. The lions are creeping up, they're in the tall grass, and all of a sudden you watch the gazelle's head pop up, right? And they just sense it. You know, that's that cortisol. That's their senses. That's that stress. And again, like we're going to keep going back, you know, cortisol had a great purpose, especially when like we didn't even have fuck door locks our doors, doors, <laughs> you know, we needed that situational awareness of our surroundings, you know, not situa- situational awareness like we're fucking Larry David, but of actual true dangers. And, you know, there's a lot of things in evolution that we've, that we've moved past, like posture, <laughs> among other things. But these chemicals are just areas that, that have stuck with us. And, they, you know, they probably serve a ton of purpose. And there's probably, 
you know, psychologists as well as other people that can make strong cases. And I, and I get that, but again, the luxury of our times that cortisol gets a trigger finger and we're just, we're literally talking about a chemical stress, right? That anxiety, that anxiousness that keeps us going. You know, like if you work in sales and you need to hit a quota, you know, or just being in a career that you care about and wanting to go to the top and being competitive, right? But the problem is that if we consistently have cortisol gushing through our veins, it's incredibly unhealthy. You know, you can, you can go look at cause of death totals. And I mean like heart, heart attacks as well as other pieces, you know, that's a large, that's a large element to it. I think it's the largest in fact, of just like heart attacks, heart disease, and not only that, cortisone will literally shut down organs if it's, if it's rushing too hard, just that constant stress. You know, that's, that's insane. Um, so, I really enjoyed it because it was kind of a cheat sheet to emotional intelligence in a way. Where you really have the opportunity when you're in situations and you're trying to get somewhere, it's like, what are you trying to do? Like, what do you, what component, what chemical are you actively trying to release? And I'm not saying recognition is a bad thing. In fact, you know, this is a leadership book, right? And for anyone that studied leadership knows that like a leader, a leader isn't someone that tells people what to do. A leader is someone that inspires like that's the corny definition. So serotonin is a great thing. Dopamine, endorphins, you know, endorphins are great. Like the runner's high. It helps you stay healthy. Like these are all great things, right? But then when we get into that excess, right? And that's, that's what I, at least right now, because I literally finished it four days ago, <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm focusing on right now. Because, you know, you want that balance. And I, I can tell you this and, and taking it back to recovery, you know, oxytocin, like part of that is just like helping others and getting that trust, right? If anyone, if anyone studied the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, like anyone that knows what they're talking about knows that the main way to stay sober is to help other people stay sober. Like that's the front, that's the front and back of it is that if you want to stay sober, you, you have to help other people because you're, again, like your brain needs these chemicals and luckily you can supplement them for each other, but you want oxytocin, right? You want that oxytocin flooding. Whereas if you go for that dopamine, that's that short term fix, which I think we all, I think we all know what that means. 
Um, I'm standing outside now because my kiddo wants to climb in the backyard, which is totally okay. I was just sitting with him as he was eating a sucker. Anyways, very interesting stuff. Um, if you want to have a talk about it, we definitely can, because that's how I interpreted it. But if you think I interpreted it wrong, I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear your input. But you know, I think it is valuable information. Um, you want to go up, buddy? Yeah. Gray got this like jungle gym thing, and it's like a thing to climb up, and it's it's kind of like a Thunderdome looking thing in a way. I got you. Don't worry about it. Did you poop? No. But anyways, he just he's just a climber. He's just a natural climber. He's like, <laughs> I don't know if he, the mic's picking up his panting. Let's take these off. There we go. Sweet. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. Really been enjoying it. Um, and it just makes me want to chase those good those good feelings in a way. But just manage it. It's kind of like it's kind of like a diet <laughs> is how I look at it. It's just telling me how to operate. So I totally bootlegged a lot of what Simon Sinek says in that book. So you guys should uh, you guys should read it. It's super easy to read, and I did the Audible because that's how I operate. I'm also reading Jeff Passan. Payson Passan. I don't know. He's a Yahoo writer for baseball. Uh, that's what he writes about. And he wrote a book called The Arm, and it's just basically talking about Tommy John surgery, the fickle nature of the pitcher's arm, UCL and injuries, which is another way of saying Tommy John surgery, you know, stuff like that. It's good stuff. You know, I think, uh, you know, I think as sports fans, we just like the opportunity to read stuff so that we can have compelling conversations around it. Something I learned, I don't know, I'm sure more people knew this, and I think I had an idea of it, uh, but R.A. Dickey, the knuckleballer, who may still be in Toronto, I don't think he is. Um, he may even be retired. I don't want to look. <laughs> he doesn't even have a UCL. He physically doesn't have a UCL, which is when that bitch tears. That's that's what Tommy John surgery is, is that your UCL tears, you take another tendon from another piece of your body, like your leg, and you knot it together <laughs> like a bootleg instrument. Um, yeah, that's what it is. Sometimes people will take them from cadavers, so dead bodies, uh, which is gross, but interesting. And yeah, it just talks about pitcher health and how we're in the primitive years of that still. So I'm sure this is like exactly why you guys tuned in. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to save the homework because I want to talk to Aaron about it. If you don't, If you don't remember what it is, uh, well, I know I had to listen to that onion podcast called a very fatal murder and I forget what I told Aaron to do. I know I wanted him to do it. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what he has to say. What's up, sweet boy. Okay. Um, other than that, I took gray to the park this morning, had a great time. We've literally sprinted on the field and we had races. Um, a dog barked in Grayson's face. 
And before I could have an anxiety attack about it, Grayson was cracking up and the dog was rolling on the ground, so that was nice. And then we went to Chick-fil-A because I'm a huge Grilled Nuggets fan on this keto stick. So that's fun. So what do we typically do next? Uh, we do homework and then we do news. Um, as far as news, news stories that I'm familiar with that I can speak to is, oh man, that was the first fucking honey nut Cheerio I ate in a long time. Um, that just like erupts in your mouth and flavor. Gosh, I don't even know really any news stories. I guess the one thing that I will say that I'm comfortable saying with the whole Donald Trump situation, and I follow some people on Twitter that just go after him, and there's some people like Aaron does really funny stuff. Like, I like that. That That is, for all intents and purposes, the humor of it. Um, but there's other people, whereas they're not necessarily attacking Trump, even. They're attacking the people that voted for him. And I just want to know, like, what, what in their right mind thinks makes them think that that's the appropriate strategy for midterms as well as the, the upcoming presidential election and however, how, whenever it is, fucking three years from now. Like, why would, you, why would you ever think that the appropriate approach is to just bash people to have them come over to your side? That to me is so confusing. Like, if anything, you should take the opportunity for discussion. Even if they're coming at you, you know, react with kindness. And you probably will have a better chance, right? I don't believe that anyone thinks that their, that their vote was an evil one. And they were, they, were, they were attempting to be evil, right? And I'll even, I mean, I genuinely feel that way for Every fucking person that filled out a ballot. And I mean, everybody. And you guys may go like, well, what about the, the CEOs that are just trying to fill their pockets? You know, any CEO that's trying to fill their pockets... That's not how that's not how salaries work. <laughs> They're typically given shares in a salary. So the the company has to perform and the ones that try to put the value in their shares typically plummet. Right? They typically get fired and though they may get like a short-term response to it. That's not how that's not how you gain profit for the long term to make a ton of money. See, that, see when you look at an income statement, at the bottom is the, the profit, right? You have the revenue at the top, and then you subtract out all the overhead, like people's salaries, things like that, and then you get the profit. 
And S corporations are just corporations that doesn't go into the, the CEO's pockets. That goes into a bank account and applies to the burn rate of the organization, which is how long they could go if they didn't have, if they didn't make another dollar of money. Right? And then just back into the business. That's where that money goes. So that that's an inaccurate way to look at things. It's just that there's, there's not even math there. If you're thinking of people that do take the profits, those are what you call K1 employees. And those are literal owners in the organization. So you're literally talking about middle America and small businesses because they're typically the owners. These fucking companies that actually have stocks and are on the are on the are on the New York Stock Exchange, they're, they're not owners, right? So like law firms, where it's, if it says like Kirby, Kirby, and Curbs is the name of the company, those three people are, are business owners, they're K-1 employees, and whatever's at the bottom of that income statement is the money that they're, they're taking home, right? Usually there aren't a shit ton of large organization billionaires that have that capability, right? They don't, they don't take home the profits. That's not how that works. So let's not pretend it does and just educate ourselves a little bit. <laughs> they sincerely are doing that so that they can put more back into their business. What they want to do with it from there, I don't know. And you can even sit here and contradict me where like Harley Davidson, the CEO of that company, uh, Trump removed like a, an emissions fine, like millions of dollars that Obama gave him, the Harley Davidson CEO, not him directly, but the company, obviously. So he, he dumped that, but he still closed a factory in St. Louis and put it overseas. So it's like, there are anecdotes, don't get me wrong, but just like mathematically and legally, that's how <laughs> they don't, they don't garner more profits. So it's just, there is an education piece there that you should really consider. Um, and trust me, I didn't, I'll even tell you guys, I didn't vote for Trump. But it's like, if we're going to be, if we are going to bridge, go across the aisle, is that how you say it? You want to go from it from an educational standpoint. You want to make sure that everyone understands the reality Right, because it's it's a sensitive subject, so we need to just make sure that we're approaching things correctly, you know. And you look at, you know, I'm a I'm a business guy. I like I like business. I like numbers. I like data. But the thing to be mindful of is that numbers are the results of people's effort. Is she trying to steal your stuff? Do you want water? Gotta get the kiddo water. Um, so it's like numbers, right? So we need to, we need to get there. And another piece I'll, I'll tell you guys about when it, when it comes to that, which I think is just very interesting is Nazi Germany. And when all the Nazis went to trial and they talked about their crimes, you know, a, a huge consensus was just I was following orders. 
Like the person in front of me was telling me what to do, and that's why I did it. So there was a guy, I think, I think his name was something Milgram's because it's called the Milgram's Experiment. You can look it up. Uh, he wanted to test this theory with people. So what he did was he set up an experiment where he had two people, one person answering questions and then another person sitting in, I don't want to say it was like an electrical chair, but it was like a chair that was quote unquote shocking you. Uh, and every time the person answering questions got one wrong, they had to shock the person. And just so you know, A, the person being shocked was actually like an actor or like another teacher in the experiment, but they were, they were set up to be like a, a student that signed up as well so that they had that idea. And then the buttons they were pressing, they worked their way right. So they'd punch the one on the far left and then the next one they got run wrong, they'd punch the one next to that and just keep going up the ladder. And they were labeled like small shock to medium shock to even like the last one was like severely dangerous shock, right? And what they found was, is they set up the student who was getting shocked in three different scenarios. One was they were sitting right there and the person had to physically touch them and put their hand on the button to shock them. The next one was that they were in the same or they were in the same room and they could see them when they shocked them. And then the last one was they couldn't see them at all. And I, and I think that they couldn't hear them. And how it worked was if the person doing the shocking protested four times, they would then let them stop. And if they, every time they protested before that, like for the first protest, they had a canned response second they had a canned response and third was a canned response where it was more or less them saying you have to keep going and they found that the ones where the student being shocked was not in the same room and they couldn't see what they were doing 65% of the people were comfortable going all the way to the very end of the experience and giving them a severe shock. 65%. If that's a batting average, you're arguing that the sample size isn't large enough. <laughs> right? So like when you do these numbers things, when, when conservatives are talking about numbers and going, yeah, well the data points here, you know, they're removing that human element and what that affects. Right. But that doesn't mean we don't ignore the data. And that to me is like where the the mix up happens is that, you know, people more on the liberal side, they they operate compassionately, which is true compassion, which is a great way to operate. But you can't ignore the numbers either. So it's just it's just in our decency to find. A middle ground you know there's another example where it's like Syria a thousand people were tear gassed and murdered you know it was families things like that um, and then also you know there's a story here recently where a kid got hit by a car some old girl named Sarah and a girl like just 10 years older than her, I pulled her to the side of the road, tried to resuscitate her, 
and the until the ambulance came the ambulance grabbed her took her to the hospital the little girl Sarah and then the girl that was trying to revive her you know she stayed in contact talked to the parents and then three days later she called the hospital and learned that Sarah died right and then it's so I asked you guys you know which story resonates with you Probably the one about the little girl, because that's that's the way it works with me, and that's that's it right there. Is like numbers. Numbers don't resonate with people. Human beings do. So that was a whole long rant, but you know my 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 whole thing is is like yeah, you may not like Donald Trump, and you may not like the people that voted for them, but I would challenge you. To maybe have the patience of conversation and find a common ground. Because that that is going to be where the opportunity lies. If you get into an engagement with someone just to try to win an argument, you're going to fail. Because your objective shouldn't be winning that argument. If your objective is winning that argument, you're, sell, you're selling the conversation short. Right? I mean, there's crazy things right now are data around how bad our current Congress doesn't work together. Like I think it's like a 25% of, of laws passed or votes passed compared to like fucking 10, 12 years ago, which is just obscene. And it just has to do with people not getting along and going for those, the dopamine, the votes and all that. So, you know, so there's your news. <laughs> I hope this isn't too serious of a tone. I'm enjoying myself. I think that this is, I think this is a good conversation, even though it's one-sided. Um, but you know, I'll continue. I'll just continue to talk. So getting into, so this is the thing. And it, again, like we're talking about sports now, right? Um, you know, sports talk. When baseball season, right? This, this to me is where ba- it gets silly because you get into situations where people will look at the last few starts of a of a pitcher or another example, and they'll they're comfortable with the sample size of it being April. But then if I if I have optimism around like the Mariners' record, the sample size isn't good enough. <laughs> you know. Silly, you, it's it's just you can't. It's just a it's just absurd to have it go both. It's just absurd to make it work for you in this in that circumstance. Like you can't. I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's not fair to to go both ways. Like, but I, that goes back to winning an argument. Um, you know, we got our asses beat being the Seattle Mariners by the Houston Astros. <laughs> fucking butt raped uh you know and we have 19 games with them this year so hopefully what does that put us we're one in one and three with them so you got 12 more i mean yeah we got we got some work to do there which is fine i'm good with it um you know the team's still fun to watch 
Kyle Seeger's stance is is different, and I like that. He's kind of lifted the bat a little bit more. I think he's got a quicker swing. Taylor Motter came up for a few days. That guy's so funny to me. I'm pretty sure he can't hit it anywhere but left field. <laughs> I just, yeah, I think that's his only capabilities. Dan Vogelback will forever be a fan favorite. Uh, I think there's no question about that. There's something just about a big dude playing baseball that everyone rallies behind, and that's a, that's a ton of fun. I think Felix Hernandez looked great the couple times I've been able to watch him. You know, he's mixed up his timing. His placement's good. If, if I was asked yes or no, did Felix do a good job reinventing himself? I think he has. You know, I think he, I think he did exactly what he sought out to do in spring training. So I'm happy about it. Uh, I think we should be, I think we should, I think we should have expected that lull against the Astros because let's face it, they're going to win 150 games this year. They probably lost all the games they're, they're going to lose and we'll just pick it up. Not to mention, depending on where you're sitting. Actually, I think it's like everywhere. The weather has just been atrocious for baseball season. Like, it's so weird to me that it is baseball season. I don't know if anyone feels the same way, but the sunny days are just few and far between. So, you know, once the, once the weather warms up, I think that's going to help with the ball as far as Seeing a lot more dingers, which is, you know, let's be honest, while we all watch. The draft is coming up. Uh, I believe it's five days out, which, you know, I actually don't, for this is the weakest analysis you're going to get. Uh, I don't think any of those quarterbacks are going to be great. <laughs> I think Baker Mayfield is going to be better than people realize, but. I understand why people I feel I I feel bad for Baker Mayfield because I feel like he has such Johnny Manziel attributes as far as spread football, you know, running around behind the offensive line like he has good accuracy though. I think that that leash is going to be short on him and people are going to be scared that that pick's going to define their career. Um that's that's really what I have to say there. But no, I don't think any of those guys. I wonder, you know what I was thinking about today is if Detroit is going to draft a quarterback. Because it's weird to think that like Matt Stafford's good. <laughs> he is good. And I'm just saying like he's getting a little bit older. But I got to imagine they got to start thinking about the future, right? That's how I feel anyways. So, okay. Well, I, let, I gave you guys a lot. I gave you guys an episode, though it was makeshift. What's up? You want to go outside, buddy? Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. So, I want to hang out with the kid. Be a good dad. But here you go. Here's your episode. There's me chewing on Honey Nut Cheerios. Just diving out of keto. And uh, back to normal next week. Bye.
talking, see the headstone for the chicken by the talking. No more chatting, all done with talking, see the headstone for the chicken by the talking. No more chatting, all done with talking, see the headstone for the chicken by the talking. No more chatting, all done with talking, see the headstone for the chicken by the talking. No more chatting, all done with talking, see the headstone.